Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm actually going to read from Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And then I'm going to skip over to chapter 4 and read 4 through 7. And then I'm going to skip over to 1 Peter chapter 3, 18 through 22. And then also 2 Peter 1, 3 through 5, and then 8 through 11. So several readings here this morning that I want to introduce to us. I know I don't typically do things like that, but... This morning is a little different. We are actually, this is the third time that I've preached about baptism in a row. The first uh, Sunday that I preached on baptism was concerning the gift of God. Baptism as a gift of God. The second Sunday was this gift of God comes by water and the Spirit. And in this morning, this gift of God by water and the Spirit comes through both word and sacrament. Look with me here in Ephesians chapter 2. We'll start with verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And in chapter 4, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, And in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit in which He went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely, notice, through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious 
and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Then verse 8, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, this is Your Word for Your people. Holy Spirit, would You now apply it to our lives, challenge us this morning, exhort us, encourage us, prick our hearts, help us to repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Several, several readings there that have been put together on purpose. Now, you may not be interested in this at all, but video games are actually becoming more and more popular in our culture because of these really nice game systems that do more than just play games. You know, they also play Blu-ray DVDs and whatnot. And in particular, there's a video game that's coming out in... 8 days, 14 hours, and 55 minutes, and 20 seconds. Not that I'm counting, but uh, called Modern Warfare 3. And it's uh, probably one of the biggest game releases uh, in history. And it's interesting that every game that comes out, and I've played games since I was like 5 when my dad first bought me a Nintendo, you know. But every game, the creators of that game put things in the game that are kind of hidden that are kind of secrets. So when you first make your way through maybe the campaign or the boards like in Mario, you don't see them. But then you learn from somebody else, hey, there's these stars that you need to collect and there's 90 of them or 93 of them. And you go back and try to find them because they've placed these little things in there. And there's certain things they place in there that function in a certain way in this world that they make up. Now I say that to say this. God is also a creator. Not of video games, but of a similar construct. This world. This universe. And He Himself has placed certain hidden packages, hidden ways, so to speak, into creation itself that provides nourishment for us. That provides grace to us. And in Jesus Christ is the unveiling of all of those things in His very body. Now that's heavy. But it's like knowing the creator of the game. That would be pretty amazing. He'd probably tip you off to about some of the physics of the game or some of the, some of the things you could curl around or cheat at a little bit in order to have an edge. 
And the reality is, as Bass has already pointed out, we can be in touch with the Creator. Not just of this room, not just of my body, but of the entire world and its operating infrastructure. (laughs) This is the God of the universe. And He comes to us in His own universe in the flesh. He Himself participates in the game of life and shows us the way to receive grace from Him. And this is what we've been talking about. This is why we talk about baptism. This is why we talk about the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Some people find the sacraments weird, and that's unfortunate. I find them uncomfortable, much like I did when I got married to Jessica and I'm in this, you know, suit that I typically don't wear in front of people, um, which I guess I'm in front of people, but she's not um, often. And I'm reciting these vows and doing this formality and it feels awkward and yet natural at the same time. I think that's the point with the sacraments. This is not your gig. This is God's way. This is God's gift. It's not your gig to play with. It's not your infrastructure that you have set up. If you notice in Ephesians here, grace comes through faith. Paul makes it very clear. It's not you, but it's His grace. It's not your gift, but it's His gift. And it must be received in a certain way. Just as if you remember, again, to use video games, back in the day when Nintendo was out, you know, up, up, down, down, over, over, side, side, A, A, B, B. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever remember putting in that code, but you could get, you could get an unlock. It unlocked a power. In the same way God has given to us some ways... Some means to receive His grace. Purposely instituted in creation and also in the very body of Jesus Christ. And really, if you don't mind me using this term, instituted by Christ, but constituted or made available to us and in us by the Holy Spirit. The two hands of God, of Christ and the Holy Spirit reaching out from the Father Himself who is offering His grace, pouring it out at all times. As you already know, you don't approach God on your terms. You see this in the Old Testament. Do not touch the mountain. You will die. Do not approach me in this way or you will die. I had to reprimand Jackson yesterday because he was being disobedient at nap time. And I told him something I'd never told him before, but I said, son, in my house, I've never said this before, I said, in my house, you will act my way. You will not get your way in my house. And this is a four-year-old. And I said, when you get out of my house, you can do what you want at that point. But until that point, you will do things my way. Do I make myself clear? Yes, sir. Amen. And I thought to myself, 
Lord, I need to say yes, sir, to you on that same thing. This is not my body. This is a gift. These are not my children alone. They are a gift. This is not my world. It is a gift. It is a construction out of your very word. At the beginning of creation. Instituted by you. Entered into by Christ. And made alive by the Spirit of God. (laughs) You see, Paul says, this isn't your gig. This is a gift of God. But... He has set you up to be a player here. To be a workman in this world. So in other words, it's not by your works, but you work. I love the tension that Paul always creates in his theology, which is the theology of the Bible. God does it, yes. Do we have a response? Yes. Is it either God or or us? No, it's both and. It's both. God is giving to us and we respond in faith. He says then in chapter 4 what we read, there is one body, Jesus, and one Spirit, one call, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism that unites us all. The only reason the church is united is because of the actual body of Christ. We like to spiritualize everything, especially in Protestant evangelicalism, which is where most of America is today. We like to spiritualize everything. Everything is spirit. Oh yeah, we're, you know, we're spiritually the body of Christ. Let's connect it back. The reason we are one is because Christ is one and the Spirit is one And our baptism is one. We can argue all day long the different methods of baptism or the when of baptism, but the fact that you have to be baptized is extremely clear in Scripture. You must be baptized. Jesus Himself submits to baptism. Of all people, He didn't need to. And yet He does. And then says, when you go out to make disciples, make them how? By baptizing them. Baptism is God's way, not our way. He's the one who set up water to be the institution into His very body. Now follow me real quick as we march through Scripture real fast in a biblical theology. And that is to say, water is seen in verse 2. If you track water through the Scripture, water is found in verse 2 where the Spirit of God is hovering over the deep waters. He's Lord of the waters. Not only that, you then get in chapter 6 of Genesis, water again in the story of Noah. The whole earth is evil. Everybody's intention is evil and only evil continually. And God baptizes the whole world in water, and this water is a positive thing, cleansing, 
but also a negative effect for those who do not come to the water properly, if you will. They don't get in the ark. And as our reading said, only eight were saved. Of all the world, only eight. This water cleanses, but also washes away evil. It is initiation into a new way of life. Look at Israel. The next instance of of water. Where they cross the Red Sea. And again, you see, they are saved, but who is destroyed? The Egyptians. And they enter into a new way of life. Life in the desert. Life with God. In covenant with God at Mount Sinai. The next instance of water is with the Israelites crossing over the Jordan in Joshua. That whole generation that crossed the Red Sea died. They disobeyed God and did not receive the promise of the land. And as the priests are walking toward the water, the Jordan River dries up at the immediate time that they walk across. And again, entering into a new way of life. Water. Water, something that is integral to all of life. When you're camping, you don't camp where there's no water. You can't buy water, especially if you're on the Appalachian Trail. I remember one night we had to travel an extra three miles at night just to get to a water source because the other one was dried up. We would not have been in good shape had we not found water that night. You can't pack in enough water over six days. The point is you have to live by water. We must live by water. Most of our body structure is based on water. Water, something visible, something we can feel, something we can hear when it's poured or when it's trickling down a stream. And God chose water as initiation in, as cleansing from sin. He chose water. I didn't choose it. You didn't choose it. It's His construct. It's His gift that is freely given to all people. Circumcision was limited to males, whereas baptism is open to everyone. Circumcision was a sign and a mark. So is baptism a sign and a mark. You see, it's not our way, but it's His way. We tend to be idolatrous. You say, I don't, there's no idols in my life, except for the fact that we have American Idol in, on TV now. We make celebrities idols that are worshipped and followed and tracked on Twitter, and we watch every move they make try to be like them, wearing what they wear, letting them set the standard. We have idols on our computer. We have idols on our television. We have idols, Jesus says, in our heart. What what the Israelites found out was God is not just concerned with the outward, but also the inward. (coughs) 
we say to God often, I'll trust you, but... I'll trust you on this, God, but make sure that you bless my family. I'll trust you to go to Africa, but make sure that we get to eat well there. I'm going to trust you with my kids, but they better be healthy. Because we're going to be on bad terms if they're not. Lord, I'll trust you, but make sure I don't get physically ill or become poor. We have stipulations on God's way. And what God requires of us is our life. This is the image. This is why uh, the image on the front of your bulletin is one of He looks like He's in a tomb. That's the point. You die to that old way of life to rise to a new way of life. You put off the old and put on Christ. It's not our way. But instead, we are obedient when we are baptized and when we reaffirm our baptism in our own hearts. Often, thinking of that mark that has been on... Knowing that we have been cleansed of an old way. Cleansed of sin. And entering into a promised land. A new life. We are a new creature. No longer to live on our own. But we have God in here doing stuff to us when we pray in the mornings or before we go to bed when we pray. God is in us. We are new creatures. We're not that old Marshall. We're not that old Bobby. We're not that old Jessica. But instead we have new access. We have a star if you think about Mario. You know, the music speeds up. I mean, we, we can go in power. And nothing can stand against us. Not the gates of hell itself. And then in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, we see that Christ suffered for us in a body. Again, it focuses on the one body that we're all connected to. I mean, I find it amazing that we can connect ourselves to Jesus Christ Himself. That word of testimony has been passed down now for 2,000 years, and that same gospel, that same word of God, these same words that have been recorded and spoken and affirmed and sung about, reaches our very ears as the same living testimony that it was in the beginning. (laughs) You see, I've chosen Ephesians, who was written by Paul, and Peter, who was written by Peter, to follow up on the fact that even not only the Old Testament affirms the water of baptism, but also the New Testament through both Paul and Peter who were stalwarts, who were columns, so to speak, in the early church. I mean, Acts is dominated by first Peter and then Paul because they were that huge. If you want to study early church thought in the Bible, you have to go to Peter and Paul. And both of them see baptism. In particular here, Peter saw baptism in Noah. I would have never put that together. 
But this is the hermeneutic or the interpretation of Scripture by Scripture. It's a dying and a cleansing so that there is a newness, a new creation. And Peter goes further and follow me here. Now we can participate in God's nature. That's what he said in us. We are partakers of the divine nature. In other words, the same access, and this blows my mind, the same access that Jesus had to the Holy Spirit, we now have. There is no excuse for our laziness. There is no excuse for our wickedness, for my failure other than myself. It's not God's fault. It's not the world's fault. In Christ, we have access to God's very nature, which is a nature that is compassionate and giving and loving Merciful, wanting to forgive. This is the new life we now live as disciples who have been baptized into the death of Christ so that we might live in Christ by the power of the Spirit. (laughs) Remember, Jesus, when He Himself is baptized... The Holy Spirit descends upon Him just as He hovered over the face of the deep at the very beginning of time. He now comes and remains, not just hovers, but remains on Christ. And then the Father's voice speaks out and says, This is My beloved Son. This is the Son whom I love. And the same thing happens to us in baptism. When we are baptized, the Spirit remains with us, promises to be with us. Do you realize what that promise means to us? It's not based on your response. You can reject the Spirit, grieve the Spirit, quench the Spirit if you want, but He's going to remain faithful to you. You've been marked. You've been sealed, is what Paul says. You've been given the deposit of a guarantee. Here's ten dollars so that you can get a thousand. And when you get a thousand, you can get a million. Except the riches of Christ are incalculable. It cannot calculate them. And we have all this in. His Spirit that dwells within us, empowering our very soul. (laughs) We participate in His nature. And not only that, Peter says, you know what? The reason that we remain in sin is because we actually forget our baptism. Notice this in 2 Peter 1. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Again, an image of baptism. We forget. We forget who we are. We forget what we have access to. I tell the story again because it's just helpful for me. The guy, 
There's this guy who wants to take a boat trip, a cruise, and he'd never been on one before. He saves up his money. He's not, he's not wealthy. He saves up all his money and plans it out to where he can buy a ticket for this cruise. So he buys the ticket. He packs all of his lunches because he knows he does not have enough money to eat the kind of food that is going to be offered on the ship. And so he goes about, buys his ticket, gets on the ship, and is enjoying himself. You know, he's eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches um, just because it's easy access. And he saved up enough money to where the last day of the cruise, he would be able to finally sit down for a really nice meal. You know, a steak, basically, what he was looking for. And so the last day he comes in and, and is uh, ready to pay for, for his meal. He's had a you know, great trip. And the person says, well, hey, the food's been free the whole time. You didn't know that? You didn't know that there was free access to these buffets and these steaks and these ribs and this chicken all the time? And you've been eating this? You've been nourished by this? It was all free. Offered freely to you in your ticket. To me, it's a helpful image. We have an offering in Christ that we can't comprehend. We have access to His power in His Spirit to an innumerable amount of stars to be able to run through life in the power of Christ, not in our own power. All freely offered to us in His grace. All provided by God. Not by us. But isn't this a hard way to live? It's hard because we like to be in control. We like to make sure that, yeah, uh, yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to go ahead and put my foot here in the stream. But I don't want to lose control here. I got to make sure I have some good foot in here. You know, make sure I, you know, we we still not just heavenly minded, but still connected to earth here. I want to make sure of that. And he says, no, 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 come out, come out to the deep end. And we get up to our knees, and we we still have control in the stream. But once we get up to our waist, we begin to slip a little bit and get a little nervous. Maybe head back to shore because we can't control everything. But then when we get to our chest, it gets even harder. And He bids us to come to the deep end where we can't touch the bottom. Where we're freely flowing in His grace. This is what He's calling us to, church. He's calling to release our life and free flow into His life. You don't know where you'll end up. You don't know what you'll be asked to do. You don't know where the river will take you. And most of us never allow God to do the things He wants to do in our life because we won't give up control. We want to remain grounded in ourself. And baptism is an instance where when the person is under the water, it's a type of dying. When the water is flowing over the head, it's a type of losing control. It's not done by you. It's done for you. 
Peter says, don't forget your baptism. It's why some of you are still wicked. So let me ask you this morning. Have you submitted to God and His way? Have you been baptized into His death? Have you risen anew in His life? Have you received the Spirit of God and are you able to then feed on Christ in your hearts as nourishment? This is entrance in. This is only the beginning. It only happens once because they only crossed the Jordan once. Circumcision only happens once. And from that point on, they're to look back to that moment where God made promises. Not we made promises. This is not my salvation, but this is God's salvation offered to me. I respond to that salvation. I respond to His grace that was already done before I was ever even born. It's a beautiful picture that we really are not in control, but instead He bids us to come out into the deep end of the stream and get into that stream of His grace that He has set up as a means of grace, a means of life transformation, a means of His Spirit. You see, this thing of Christianity is not just a religion. Just like Baz told us in his testimony. This is about a person, Jesus, who was baptized and every other person that wants to know Jesus is baptized into His death and subsequently into His life. Into the Spirit of Christ. And this is what literally makes us one. Bodily makes us one. One Lord, one baptism, one body, one Spirit. You see, it's not look at baptism or think about baptism or contemplate or meditate upon the sacraments, but instead do them. Take them. Pour over that. Eat this. Break this. It's a very physical thing. We like to keep things spiritual because we don't actually have to do anything. And God says, no, I've given you two things in particular that are physical and need to be heard, need to be seen, need to be felt. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's not enough to believe in the philosophy of Jesus or even in the way of Jesus. But just like Levi was told, we must get up bodily and come to Him. This is why kneeling before God can actually be in your body something that affects your soul. You, with your head down, with your body literally saying to God, I am yours, I am not my own. If you've never done that before, if, in your, if everything has been spiritual for you and nothing has ever bodily been done for you for salvation, you must come to Him. Jesus has a body that saves. It's the body of Jesus that saves us. It's His bodily blood that cleanses us from all sin. It's not His philosophy that saves us. It's not His outlook on life. that It's His body, His person that saves us. 
Do you know His person? Does your body know His person? Has your body been baptized into His death and risen into new life, receiving the Holy Spirit, becoming a new creation, being justified and forgiven of your sins, and entering into a sanctified life in the Holy Spirit? This is what He's offering this morning. This new life, this new promise that your body then will be resurrected just as His body was resurrected at the end of time. This is a promise, guys. This is an opportunity. This is His grace. And as Paul said, the only response we have is faith. Put your trust, put your life in God. Do it and do it now. This altar is open for you to pray. Rachel is going to come and lead us in one song of response. And this is your time to respond to God. Amen.